You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Grieving and heartbroken because the one they loved died. Now, one of the things that has become uh, cool in today's age is to question the Bible, to question truth, to question any kind of truth. It doesn't matter if it's the Bible or not. It just, everything is questionable. The cool thing about God's word is, is that he doesn't stray far from those who are rough around the edges. For instance, we're going to learn about, after I get this wire out of my way, Mary Magdalene. We're going to learn about her history. We're going to learn about Peter and what he did. You see, Jesus doesn't go away from people who were uh, troublemakers. And a lot of times in this day and age, it was actually common. Um, this is an extra biblical uh, uh, support um, in books that it was actually common that if your story, if your life story wasn't a good story, like in other words, if you had this great uncle who was a crazy man who did a lot of crazy stuff, and, and we all kind of do have those kind of uncles, but they, they get themselves in trouble. I, I have one that's been in and out of prison and, and everything else. And, and so, you know, what, what they would do is they would literally pay the scribes a ton of money, a ton of money, and they would say, wipe uncle, I don't want to say a name because I don't want to offend anybody here this morning, but wipe my uncle off the face of the earth in my story. And so what makes God's word kind of true is, is, is that he could have, he could have, done that. He could have got rid of all the risque people. He doesn't do it in his birth announcement. He has a prostitute in his family, and she's right there, loud and clear in the birth announcement. When everybody else would have said, get rid of Rahab, don't put Rahab in there. Rahab is a, is a dirty person. Don't put them in there. Not Jesus. No, Jesus says, let her stand there. Let me show the world, that I really am who I am. I am the Messiah. And yes, I even have a broken family tree. Woo. It's powerful. So we come to this Mary Magdalene and she stands outside Jesus's tomb crying. She's mourning his death and that someone has stolen his body. In the Gospels, this word for weep is a bitter, loud wailing. This isn't someone sitting in a corner just crying quietly as tears run down their face. This is loud, uh, what, what one of my brothers in ministry calls ugly crying. It's wailing and tears are flying. There's only one time I've heard wailing like that and crying like that and and. I'm not going to go any farther. You might see some today. And that it was in the death of a very special loved one. It was the first time I saw the casket closed. On one of my loved ones. And I wailed. Like Mary Magdalene wailed. So much so that they had to kind of get me together before I went in to do the service. 
wasn't prepared for it. It broke me. Mary Magdalene is doing the same kind of wailing at this moment, and, and, and she, is, she is broken. So while Easter is a happy day, the first Easter didn't start that way. That's where we are today, right now. Isn't it true? I mean, I know you don't want to hear the C word this morning, COVID. <laughs> you just did. But our world issues, and I'm going to leave it at that this morning. Whether it's the issues in the Ukraine, it's here at home, there are lots to be sad about and concerned about. So how can Easter be celebrated during sadness? How can it be a happy celebration? It's the same question we ask of that first Easter. What could possibly change the first Easter? A day marked by sadness and grief into one billions of people celebrate around the world. What could possibly change, in particular, Mary Magdalene's despair into complete joy? It's the same thing that changes our day today. The major question this morning is this. It'll be on the screen. And there's a sermon outline for you to fill out in your bulletin if you would like to. Why in the world does Easter really matter? Why does it matter? That's the question we're going to ask this morning. And I'm going to propose that I will try to answer that question the best that I can. But I want you to notice something Maybe you came in here today and you're saying, eh, another Easter. Or maybe you even came in here this morning because I don't know people's hearts. And contrary to popular belief, I don't read people's minds. <laughs> but here's the, here's the reality. Maybe you came in this morning and you said, resurrection my foot. You're in good company. So did John. So did Peter. How do we know? Well, I don't know. They're locked in a house. Gospel of John tells us. They come to a they come to an empty grave, and what does Mary Magdalene automatically assume? Because it was common in that day and age. What does she automatically assume? She automatically, it's not about a resurrection. There's no mention of that. Maybe he did come alive. There's no mention of that. No, it's automatically, the body's been stolen. Couldn't be that he came out of the grave. The body's been stolen. Peter and John, the same way. And you know the, the one that we named, Jesus didn't name him this, and, and that's key because I think you need to know that. Jesus did not name him Doubting Thomas. We did that. He even had a look at his arms and his legs to say, yeah, 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 that's, that's Jesus. So, I want to give you three or four, I can't remember how many I have, points on what it means, what matters about Easter. So here's number one. Easter matters because of the hope it offers. 
Here's what Easter takes us in our sadness. It takes us in our sadness and offers us hope. In John chapter 20, verses 11 through 13, here's what it says. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated when Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the others at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? When she goes to that tomb on Sunday morning, instead of finding Jesus' body, she finds the stone rolled away and two angels sitting on the slab where his body should have been. Again, she begins walking or wailing in reality. These angelic beings are described in every gospel in different degrees. What they're showing is very powerful point. This tomb was no longer in the hands of humans, my friends. No, this tomb was encased in the stage of the mystery of God. That's the call of these two angelic beings. She could have went to a completely empty tomb. But there's a story inside of the angels being in that tomb. It's no longer about preparing a body. It's about the fact that the mystery of God is now about to hit this world like it's never hit it before. And change every bit of it. They ask her these questions, these angelic beings. Why are you crying? They're offering her hope in her despair. See, they couldn't understand why she was crying. Because why would you cry that your friend was alive? Mary Magdalene really needs hope. If you read Mary's past, I'm, I'm going to put some scripture passages on the screen. Past Mark and Luke's gospel accounts, you'll see that when Mary met Jesus, she was at a really bad place in her life. When Jesus first met her, she was possessed by not one, but seven demons. And one was bad enough. From what we know of demon possession in the rest of the Bible, it wasn't pretty. One demon possessed a man, lived naked in the tombs, and cut himself. That man did because of his demon possession. People possessed by demons often had incredible strength and could be thrown around by the demons possessing them. You see that story in Mark, Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20, and in Luke chapter 4. Demons could cause people to be made mute and deaf. So they couldn't hear or speak. You can see that in Matthew 9, 32 through 33 and 12, 22. They acted insane. Mary was in a bad place. Real bad place. And when the angels asked Mary, why are you crying? They're comforting her and gently telling her, hey, Mary, right now is not a time to be sad. This is not a time to mourn, Mary. It's not what this moment calls for because, again, the big implication is Jesus is alive. And what ends up happening is, is that hope is offered on that first Easter. Now, what I want to define for you, because we in America get it really wrong because we go by the definition of hope in the dictionary, and the hope in the dictionary is, I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope I don't get hit by a car. <laughs> That's kind of drastic. 
I, don't, I hope I don't do this, and I hope this doesn't happen, and I hope that doesn't happen, and I hope... And it's kind of wishy-washy thinking. No, not the hope in the New Testament. In fact, if you look into Greek and you find out what hope really means, it is solid as the slab of... And Lord, don't let it fall in now. The slab of cement that our church sits on. It is as solid as it can possibly... It's more solid than the slab of cement that our church sits on. It is so solid that you can 100% bank on it. In fact, I heard one scholar say that is actually the, the kind of the wording that hope brings. Is, is that it's like, it's like that, that old saying that we used to say, you can take it to the bank. It's as sure as sure. And so when Jesus says, to, to, or when, when, when Mary Magdalene gets full of, of hope, this isn't a hope of, I sure hope he arose. No, this is as solid as she can take it straight to the bank. She can go tell, and she will later, all the disciples that he has arose. Because this isn't hope like America will it says about hope. This is real hope. This is real hope. And so here's some application for you, and we're going we're gonna to kind of give these to you in, in some... So Jesus asks us the same questions. Why are you crying? Why are you upset? And, and, and I know I said I wasn't going to mention this, but, but I have it written here, so I, I should probably mention it. Why does COVID-19 bother you? Why do you get so hung up on the challenges of this world? Why do you let people drive you places you shouldn't be driven? And then he says, aren't I alive? Haven't I risen from the dead? Haven't I saved you? Haven't I said that the only one that matters, listen to me, the only one that matters, and I'm preaching to myself right now because I need to tell myself this, the only one that matters is him. That's it. I know we want it to be about, it's got to be about this person and that person and this person. No, no, no. And so when Jesus brings hope to that first Easter, he's asking us, haven't I saved you? Haven't I risen from the dead? Haven't you come fully expecting to see me in the tomb and now I am gone and no one has stolen my body? And then he says, or this should be our prayer. Yes, Lord, I, I do believe those things, but help my unbelief. And then here's a prayer that you can pray. If you, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you're struggling in the area of having faith and, 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 and developing your faith and, and walking with Jesus Christ, here's a prayer you could ask him to do. Resurrect hope in me. Would you? Because you know, Lord, I'm a little low on the hope uh, scale. And here's what we've done in, in the evangelical church. And, and thank God our denomination is getting a hold of this. And they're sending out these lament videos. And they're saying that, you know, for so long we told people don't talk like that to God. Here's, here's the problem. Um, 
I don't know where I put my Bible. But uh, I have the scriptures right here. But David, no one told David that. And he wrote a majority of the Psalms and he says things like, you know, God, the, the enemies are coming up on me and, and I'm running out of, I'm running out of hope. You know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm weak. I'm not where I need to be. Here's what I can assure you of this Easter morning. If you don't hear anything else, you can tune out after this. Don't, but you can. I can assure you if he's big enough and strong enough to come out of a grave after being killed, and he was dead, dead. There, there's none of this business. I don't want to hear any of this business that he was just, you know, half dead. Because it's out there. He's dead, dead. Deader than dead. <laughs> and he comes out of the grave. Don't you think he can give you hope? Even if you're in the greatest of despairs. Don't you think he can change you? Or are you bigger and stronger than the grave and death? Because if you are, then there's other talks we have to have. Secondly, Easter matters because it changes our perspective. You ever been having a really bad day? <laughs> That's like asking, you know, do you like chocolate? Um, someone you love or friend surprises you on that very bad day. And it changes your perspective for the rest of the day. So we had, we, had a, we had a decent week here at Faith Church. We had a great week at Faith Church. We, we, we celebrated with about 30-something um, on Monday, Thursday, celebrating, you know, the fact that Christ calls us to community and, and loving one another. That's his, that's his main call. Everything else is kind of secondary. And then we had this Good Friday experience. And... Uh, you came in, you got a bag, you went, through the, you went through the back rooms of our church, and they were set up for different things. One room was set up where Jesus flipped the tables, and there was feathers everywhere because you remember he flipped the tables, and money changers, and, you know, birds leave feathers when they're scared, so they left feathers all over the place. And then Judas's coins were in there, and the Palm Sunday. And then you go to the next room, and there was just all about the cross. Some of the stuff is out on the table. When you leave, you can take a nail with you if you'd like to remind yourself of what God, what God did for you. So anyway, in that room, you saw a video. It was a DVD, and, and, and it was all about the passion of the Christ. And then there were some other videos added. I, I kind of molded them all together. So Thursday, I think it was, I was sitting in the office, and I was working on this, this video. And um, I couldn't get the video to to burn. It was a frustrating day. I couldn't get it to work. I couldn't get it to work on anything. And then, you know, so Michelle ran to Target for me and got me some DVDs and finally got it working. But before that, I was having a really horrible day. And I'm, and I'm out here videotaping right here in the side yard. And I'm, I'm videotaping a message. And I see a truck pull up and it stops in front of the office here at the church, which is next door. And you know, I'll be honest with my first, and if she's listening in today or here today, 
Um, she'll, she'll, she'll take my apology later, but my first thought was, I really hope they're not here for me. I was just having one of those days where it's like, oh, Lord, I'm tired. I'm really tired. And the lady gets out of the car, and she knows who she is, and I didn't know who it was because I didn't recognize the truck. I'm very good at cars, and I didn't recognize who it was. And I said, yeah, what can I do for you? And she says, here's a, here's a care package for the Kindig family. And I, I took it, and I kind of kept my head down, and I was like, thank you so much to the person. And I kind of walked out walked over and put it in our office and I sat down at the table and I don't do it much but I did weep because God in his mercy changed my perspective just by one one small gift Jesus does the same thing on the first Easter he, with, with Mary Magdalene. She's having a bad day. She, her, her Savior is gone. She thinks she's sold out to a fraud. She's not sure what's going on. And so in verse 20, verse 13, chapter 20, verses 13 through 14, it says, They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And here's what we don't know. We don't know who they are. Is she talking about the, the Roman soldiers? Is she talking about um, some, some grave robber? What does, who is she talking about? At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, there's much made of why she didn't recognize him. Some scholars believe it's because the tears were running down her face, and you know when tears are running down your face, you can't see what's sitting right in front of you. Some believe it may have still been dark, so she may not have recognized him. She was too preoccupied, some scholars say, and, and this is the one that most scholars say, but that's not to say that's true. Is These are just human opinions. They say that she was too preoccupied with her feelings and was in a state of shock. And so a lot like, I really hope that person doesn't need me right now. She's standing there, in shock. And Mary doesn't recognize him. But isn't it true for us at times that we get so preoccupied in the the preparations and in the things and everything that we miss Jesus standing right there with us. Or sometimes we just flat out ignore that he's standing there with us. You know, he's sitting here right beside us. We can't see him. 
But God promises us that I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's in Hebrews 13.5. He's not here physically, but he's here spiritually through the Holy Spirit. But she doesn't see him because she thinks he's a gardener. Maybe she didn't recognize him again because of her tears. Whatever the reason is, she doesn't get it. But just because she couldn't recognize him doesn't mean he wasn't there. That's another point I want you to get this morning. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes in these last couple of years, I have found myself saying, where are you? Where are you? Just because we don't recognize him or we don't sense him doesn't mean he isn't here. Jesus is alive and he loves us. And then the story continues in verse 15. It'll be on the screen. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said again, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Thinking he was the gardener, she's, um, Mary Magdalene doesn't get it again. She doesn't recognize the angel. She mistakes Jesus for the gardener. She's so wrapped up in her world, she can't see what God's world, word, what God's world must be like. We do the same thing in a pandemic, in our numbers, in our busyness, in our anxieties, that we also can't see how God is working through it. Was, what's it going to take for us to see God and this world from his perspective? Well, the answer is Easter. You want to change your perspective? Go back to Easter. Check out verse 16. It says in verse 16, the first half of it, Jesus said to her, Mary. And just then, her perspective changes. He doesn't say, yo, it's Jesus. He doesn't say, woman, get your act together. It's Jesus. No, all he does is he steps back, and, and it's one of those times, I, 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 I've often wanted to do a sermon series on those times when Jesus takes a deep breath, and I think it's one of those times, I believe personally, it's one of those times where Jesus is trying to have communication with Mary, and he goes, Mary. And at that moment, right in that moment, a change in perspective happens. The good news is that Jesus is alive and one day will call you by your name as well. One day when Christ returns, returns, he will speak your name and it will be worth every effort that you have put into following him. But we have to wait for that day. The Lord of the universe knows you. He, do, he doesn't, nothing can change that. He knows your life. He knows your reality. He knows what you're going through. Even now, he knows what you're thinking. Let that sink in. If you don't know Jesus, he wants to give you a whole new perspective. He is calling your name, Brett. He wants you to trust him. He's telling you that he really has risen from the grave. And the resurrection changes everything. In 
Jesus is saying, listen, I want a relationship with each one of you. Jesus, Easter changes our perspective, but next it also, Easter matters because it gives us a resurrected life. This is when the story gets beautiful. Mary was dead. I mean, it's already kind of beautiful, but Mary was dead, or uh, many, Mary was dead. Yes, she was dead when she arrived at that tomb. She was dead emotionally. Do you know what his disciples are doing at this time? It's in the Gospel of John. But his disciples are locked in some room. It says that in the, it's in the Gospel of John, and I believe one other gospel says that he walked through a locked door to get to them. They're locked up. They're scared. They're thinking, yo, man, the Romans got the leader. They're coming for the, they're coming for the, the, the little guys now. They're scared. Mary is, is absolutely devastated. She's dead. Spiritually speaking, she has no hope. And now she's gone to take care of the body of her Savior, and it's gone. And then she has this conversation with who she thinks is a gardener, and the gardener says her name, and the whole conversation changes. Listen, in verse 16, the rest of it. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now there's something lost in the translation. This is the moment when she realizes he is alive and calls by his name. She's been calling him Rabboni, teacher. But here's what it really means in English. Here's what Mary says to Jesus. My dear rabbi. She goes from the despair of someone has stolen his body to saying in a heap of emotion, my dear rabbi, my Lord. Her eyes open and she realizes just like that, that Jesus had the power, just like Jesus had the power to cast out her demons he has the power to defeat death. She realizes that Jesus is alive and it's this moment that transforms a day of sadness into mourning into a day of life and joy. Her day has turned from death to life. Many scholars believe that she had fallen to his feet and clung to him because Jesus stops her and he tells her she, she has to go and tells others about his resurrection and tell others about his resurrection. He is risen from the tomb. Look at verse 17. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. So go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. According to many, Jesus is saying here is the resurrected Jesus has some things to take care of before ascending to the father. And, 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 and ascending to the father is one of those things he has to take care of. And so therefore, do not hold on to me. I must go like many encounters with Jesus in the gospel. He gives her a commission you can see it all through the Gospels. What's he tell the woman that's called in adultery? Go and sin no more. 
What's he tell the Samaritan woman? Go back to Samaria. And what does your scripture say in John chapter 4? It says that many Samaritans believed because of the counter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. Why does he do that? Because he's always giving us a commission and he's saying, go and do. And he does the same for Mary Magdalene right here. He says, go and tell my disciples, tell my brothers what happened. But I want you to notice what he says to her. It's very clear. I'm going to my father. But then he adds adds something. And your father. Now we read that and we say, well, of course it's Mary Magdalene's father. She she came to know Jesus, and she is, she's got a relationship with him. And so, yes, of course it says, no, no, no. No, what Jesus realizes is, is where she's at. She's not so sure about this Jesus thing right now. And so he says, Mary, you can't hold on to me because i got to go to my father. And oh, by the way, you're in my family too, your father. Wow. Remember, this is a woman who was once haunted by seven demons and is now a child of God the Father. That's the same thing Jesus is offering you and me today. Resurrected life through a relationship with the Father that comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And like many, she has a new life and goes and tells others. Listen to verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples and with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them, that he had said these things to her. She doesn't just say, I've seen Jesus. Or, I've seen the rabbi. But notice the words on the screen this morning. Who does she say she's seen? The Lord. In other words, I've seen God himself. I've seen the one who conquers sin and death and can change us all for eternal life. Last but not least, I want to take you to a whole other passage with a whole other person, and this will be brief. In 1 Peter 1, chapter 3, we learn that Easter matters because it offers us things. Not because it offers us things, but because it offers us Jesus. Now, I want you to remember who this is. Peter is the one who believed, then was approached on the the one night by a teenage girl, many believe, probably the age of 13, Swore up and down he didn't know Jesus. Then after Jesus' resurrection, he sat with him, and then Jesus restored him to the ministry with breakfast on the beach. So he believed. Then he didn't believe. Then he did believe. Then we know from history that it is believed that Peter, Peter, this is the same guy writing this, was once killed a martyr's death. Want to know how Peter died? He got his head chopped off under Nero's room because he believed in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. This same Peter, before he dies and before he gets killed in Nero's room, he writes this book with his scribe and he shares these words under it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this great mercy, he has given us new birth into the living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise God because we don't deserve his mercy is what Peter is saying. And remember, this isn't about because the Bible told us so. Here's Peter, a man who believed, didn't believe, believed, believed so big that he was the first one to preach the gospel in Acts chapter 4 around there, and the, 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 and, 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 and the Holy Spirit moves, 3,000 people get saved, wonderful things happen. That same man writes these words, I didn't deserve the mercy that I got. But I got new birth, new lives, into a living hope, which is not a verb, it's a noun. And where does that living hope come from? The last five words of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And this is where we end. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter once believed, didn't believe, then did believe, and got restored to ministry. Then preached the one whale of a sermon People came to know Jesus Christ and then got killed by Nero by being beheaded because he stood up for Jesus Christ in a world like, much like our own where truth is just not taken well. Tells us that, you know why I can stand and say that I have mercy and that I receive mercy? It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So please, understand these are real people with real hurts, just like you, just like me. And when they looked at this, they didn't say it because they didn't say that the resurrection was true and that the Easter matters because the Bible tells us so. No, they said because they saw they believed. So you can debate with me all day long what the Bible says. But you can't argue with Peter who watched a Jesus who loved him so deeply that he brought him back into ministry even after he denied him. You can't argue with Mary Magdalene who once had seven demons running through or being thrown from this place to that place. And Jesus turned their life around. You can't argue with Matthew, who was sitting in a tax collector booth. And in Matthew, it actually says this. He's sitting in a tax collector booth. Jesus doesn't tell him to clean up his life, doesn't tell him to do anything. You know what he says to him? Follow me. Wait, he's ripping people off. He's taking taxes that he shouldn't be taking. And, and you know, we got to get cleaned up here, Jesus, right? That's the first mark. We got to make sure that we're perfect before we come in. No, that's not the way Jesus works. Because you see, Jesus is a fisher of men. When was the last time, and please don't go fishing in the Schuylkill River. I've heard bad things about that. But let's say you were fishing in the Schuylkill River. When was the last time you've caught a clean fish? No, I don't mean, I don't mean a clean fish. I mean, like it's already cleaned, it's got the white paper on it, it's frozen. All you have to do is go home and put it in the freezer because it's already gutted. You don't catch fish that way. No, you catch them when they're ugly. <laughs> you catch them when they're dirty. You take them home. You gut them. 
and you wash them out with the sink. See, that's what Jesus does in Easter. He doesn't call us because we're perfect. He doesn't call us because we're already clean. He calls us to follow him and become clean and walk the process and watch what God will do when we allow him to do it. But it's all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Take the resurrection and he's just another dead God. He's just another one that led people astray. That's what Timothy Keller is saying, and what we'll end with is this quote. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said, Timothy Keller says. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? He's just another fraud like all the rest of them. The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching but whether or not he rose from the dead. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If he doesn't rise from the dead, all this preaching, all this church stuff, all this talk about discipleship and evangelism and worship, throw it out the window. It's purposeless. Pastor Brett, quit. There's nothing to live for if he doesn't come out of the grave. There's nothing to preach on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. There's nothing to teach on Bible study and Sunday school. There's nothing that we can do or sing about in worship service. Easter matters because it is the bedrock of the church. The church didn't get started because a bunch of men got together and started the church. The church got started when the resurrection happened. Jesus said, go and tell. It's what launches everything in the Christian faith. You take the resurrection away, it's over. Why do you think there are so many people who try to take the resurrection away? I just sat and watched the History Channel the other day. For two hours I was being told why the resurrection is a bunch of funk. Why is that? Take the resurrection away, you might as well pack it all up, put the for sale sign outside, let's go somewhere else because we got nothing. So they're going to throw it at us as hardcore as they can. It's not about this. It's not about the Christmas story. But it's about this, the Christmas story, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because with the Christmas story and this, all you have is a dead Savior. That's what the Lord is telling us today. Easter matters because without it, we're hopeless. We can survive a pandemic. We can survive just about anything because at the end of the day, we know we serve a risen Savior. Let's close in a word of prayer together. 
Thank you, Lord, for being the Lord of the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that when we take trips to Jerusalem and Israel, that we don't see a grave that's marked, here lies Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. We see a grave that's empty, or the grave that they think you might have stayed in. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that the resurrection would become something anew and afresh in each of these people's lives that are before me and in my life. So many times through the last two years, I've, I've lost hope. But Lord, it's because your resurrection stands true today that we can all have hope. Help us, Lord, to realize that Easter does matter. That the resurrection does matter. It's the bedrock of our Christian faith. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to celebrate today because we know it matters. We also pray, Lord, that you would be with those who are maybe struggling in their relationship with you, whether they came in here knowing you and are questioning things, or they came in here and they were far from you. Lord, the good news about Peter and John and Matthew and others being in his group they weren't perfect. They didn't get it right all the time. And yet you continued to love them and you even brought them back into ministry after basically telling a teenage girl, they do not know you. Powerful. And Lord, we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for what you've done and what you continue to do in our hearts and lives. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Let's stand and sing, He Lives. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 